you're still selling the flat on. I'm still selling the shit out of (laughs) (laughs) right now. Right now, women are investing in their beauty more than ever. So hold on, let me get this straight. You you don't think that marketing your face and head on a package for a hair uh, for a hair press iron (laughs) for a hot iron is a good idea? It's not good. The All About Nothing podcast is proud to support the 2023 Soda City Comic Con. August 19th and 20th, join thousands of fans of fantasy, comics, science fiction, anime, classic games, pinball, and much, much more as they descend upon the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. One day and two day tickets are now available for your chance to meet Sean Astin. As well, you can meet actor 90s heartthrob Vanessa Angel. Plus, you'll meet voice actors from your favorite anime series like Attack on Titan, Demon Slayer, One Piece, and many more. Visit theallaboutnothing.com for links to more information and ticket information. The 2023 Soda City Comic Con is a premier pop culture experience in South Carolina. Get your tickets now. Visit theallaboutnothing.com for details. The All About Nothing podcast may have content and language that isn't appropriate for some. Listener discretion is advised. Recorded live from GOT Sound Studios in Lexington, South Carolina, this is the All About Nothing podcast. With Barrett Gruber, Zach King, and of course, me, Trenton Clark. Hi, welcome to the All About Nothing podcast. Barrett Gruber, Trent Clark, Zach King. We're also joined by Dominique. Of course, you know him as Neek the Geek. Stewart, yes, thanks. Uh, the genius now. Did anybody else wish him a happy birthday yesterday? Of course, real friends call. Wait. No, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not too late. You know. Happy, happy birthday. Thank you. you. Got to say belated now. What, what's messed up is I looked at Facebook memory, uh, Facebook memories, and it was like 12 years ago. Happy birthday, Neek. And I was like, I gotta wish him a happy oh, birthday. That was the last time we did it twelve years ago. I was gonna Jack say, Jack. I assume he's the only one who brought up. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he looked at that and was like, Oh, there's no way his birthday's today too. <laughs> yeah, because it would have showed you all the happy birthday right. meets like that you done done over twelve years. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> it don't do that. His birthday's not the same day every day. Yeah, is Facebook, it on? A, is it always on a Tuesday? No. Facebook memories are a little weird because they show you them the randoms. <laughs> like you, like is that me texting? Because like, I definitely knew Nick. Over 12 years. Correct, correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is episode number 167. Please subscribe to the show. Uh, that's how we get new listeners. Also, please consider supporting us financially by visiting theallaboutnothing.com and becoming an official member and probably calling yourself a true nothinger. We have a bunch of membership tiers available that give you early access and exclusive content as well as a $100 Trent tier, which uh, if, if you sign up for that one, he'll come over to your house and do whatever you want him to do within up to the line of the law correct barrett tried to use that yesterday yeah i i, I did <laughs> i've got i have i Are have you the first trent tears i have I, i've been a trent tier for three years yeah yeah also if you're listening to us on apple podcast you think we're worth it go ahead and give us a review and drop us that five stars if you're not on apple podcast give us a review where you can share the episode with your family and friends follow us on twitter at aan underscore pod and facebook uh at all about nothing us and interact just search for all the all about nothing podcast and visit our website for links uh the all about nothing.com and for that out of the way shout outs uh, big thanks to Brock and Amy, organizers of the 2023 Soda City Comic Con, August 19th and 20th, Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center. Uh, one day and two day tickets are now available. You can find details at theallaboutnothing.com. We will be there selling merch, taking pictures, chatting with patrons of the con. Uh, also, uh, we will get to do some interviews with Sean Aston, yes. Vanessa Angel, yes. Michael Bean, 
Jennifer Bean. Am I saying that right? No, it's Bean. Bean. Oh, I'm sorry. Michael Bean, Jennifer Bean, uh, as well as one more guest that had not been announced until just a few minutes. Yeah, ago. just about ten minutes ago. So uh, I can I can go ahead and say since Brock has put that out there, Summer Glau. And, the, and the one half of the Hardy Boys. Yeah, and half of the Hardy Boys. But yeah, so, that's uh, crazy. Summer Glau. If you don't know who Summer Glau is, I, no. you're shaking your head. No, you ever seen Firefly? No. Uh, Serenity. No. Have you ever seen <laughs> the Terminator, the Sarah Chronicle Chronicles, Sarah Connor Chronicles? Sarah Connor. No. Sarah Connor oh, Chronicles. Is that the one with the little boy? Okay. Well, just just know it's a it's a pretty big deal. It's, it's basically that timeline between Terminator Two and. With his mom when she dies. Yeah, it's all about. The yeah, mom. yeah, it's yeah. Okay, she's the, so ter- the, mom, she's the Terminator. Right? No, she's the Terminator. Oh, I didn't see no girl. She's, yeah, the, she's a she's Terminator. A good Terminator. Yeah, she's a good oh, Terminator. Okay. Um, but uh, so go ahead and get your tickets now. Twenty twenty three Soda City Comic Con again. Uh, you can find links to the details uh, on our website, theallaboutnothing.com. Also, thanks to uh, me and uh, welcome to Wonderland Podcast, as well as Carrie from What the Pod Was That, and our Dungeon Master Micah, who led our band of heroes through the woods, taverns, and beer breweries. Uh, that was the uh, last episode, so go check that out. That was episode number 166. Again, John Kosas Jr., thank you very much. The Columbia Fireflies for Thanks, our John. weekly Nothing or Firefly update. Uh, we have a new page on our website actually highlighting all of our merchandise, so go to theallaboutnothing.com. You can find uh, our brand-new shirts, which none of us are wearing right now, uh, but they look they look nice, so go check them out. Correct. <laughs> Uh, so introductions, uh, real quick, Dominique Stewart, of course, you also know him as Neat the Geek, artist and engineer, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. If you're an artist, musician, content creator, and you, uh, and, and, and you haven't found the right sound or visual for it yet, come to GOT Sound Studio, because that's where we record, that's where you should record. Uh, also, uh, want to welcome to the show. Uh, he is a uh, serial entrepreneur and founder of Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. He helps provide Black entrepreneurs with actionable pro- uh, procedures to help them launch, build, and grow successful, sustainable businesses. He has more than twenty years' experience as a successful entrepreneur himself by building more than seventeen businesses, including two multi-million-dollar companies. Uh, the success is based on his personal philosophy, bet on himself. He's an author, speaker, and coach, as well as host of the podcast, Black Entrepreneur Blueprint, and he dislikes the Dallas Cowboys as much as I do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Jay Jones. Welcome, Jay. Hey, hey. hey, appreciate you guys having me on your platform. Thank you so much. No, we're very excited to have you. So uh, cool. just, a, just a little background into uh, uh, how I found out about Jay. Um, uh, I was introduced to Jay on the Juneteenth of, of this year uh, when my, uh, my company held an employee uh, presentation where Jay was the, speaker, the guest speaker. Uh, so I have a bit of a man crush on him. I'm sure he's tired of the text messages by now. Uh, don't talk too loud. Man. Don't say that too loud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, his list that he hates is a little bit longer than that, so just feel good. <laughs> a long hate list. Oh, he has a big hate list. <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, Existing gets you on it sometimes. <laughs> Jay, Jay, spoke on, uh, Jay spoke on Juneteenth about uh, uh, just everything encompassing about Juneteenth and things like that, and I think we had a really good discussion with the employees at, uh, at Duck Creek. Uh, that was, and I enjoyed it immensely. And, and, and as soon as I, as soon as the, the conversation was over, uh, I, I started messaging the people that, that were responsible for getting you on and was like, I got I got to know how to get a hold of them. I got to know how to get a hold of them. And then it was, it was only within a few minutes that, uh, you and I were chatting. Definitely. Definitely. And it was great. It was great. So, uh, Jay, you live in Philadelphia, correct? You see that behind me right here, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Neat, that's like your daddy, yeah, ain't it? Yeah, my dad is Philly. <laughs> well, we got to get him in touch with your dad and Bill Kimler, so y'all all could go to an Eagles game. And these dads. These dads. Yeah, yeah. So I was jokingly going to ask you if you brought me back anything from Cancun, but now that you know. <laughs> you, you know what? Actually, I do have a couple extra shot glasses, man. I'll hey, there you I, go. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just come up. I'll, I'll just visit. No. <laughs> but, but I do want to say something, Barrett. Um, when I saw your, uh, your email, I, I didn't read the questions. Oh, that's good. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no. The reason I don't do it is because I want to be spontaneous. Sure. And so... Yeah, but I appreciate you saying. Yeah, them yeah, of me, course. I, I didn't. Read. Yeah, and so, this is the all about nothing podcast, so we're kind of like spontaneous anyway. So since exactly you have right. that, you know, feeling about the interview, <laughs> we love it even more because now we know we're getting the authentic and not the ready for question. That's, it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, tell us, tell us about the Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. Um, it's a podcast I started in 2014, so I've been rocking. Uh, Basically, almost 10 years, nine and a half years. Episode 476 dropped Goodness. on Monday. Oof. And uh, yeah, I drop, uh, I drop a new, uh, some new heat every Monday morning, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Find me on all your major podcast platforms and YouTube. But most of my downloads come from, they're, they're more from the, uh, the podcast than, than the, uh, the video aspect. Sure. But uh, so I started that because being a serial entrepreneur, people always ask me, hey, man, how do I start this business? What do I need to do? And I just felt that more people would want to learn this information or know this information. Not that I'm a guru or anything, but um, I've had serious experience, you know, positive and negative. Uh, started 17 businesses. Also in my bio, you saw that, Barrett. I almost lost it all twice, too. Yeah. So I was blessed to be able to make two comebacks. And uh, so I've seen the gamut from the highs and the lows. And uh so I just want to share my experiences with people to help them hopefully not have all the pitfalls that I had. Some of those lessons learned the hard way. Yeah, man. That's the best way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? I think it means uh depending if you set it up right, it could mean freedom, self-expression. And the biggest thing I talk about is living in your genius. And I call your genius is the intersection between your passion and your talent. Most people don't know how to monetize that genius. So they end up doing things just for the money. So they're chasing paper versus purpose. And so the highest form of entrepreneurship to me is living in your genius and being able to monetize that. So whatever that genius is and whatever entrepreneurship means to you, go for it. And for me, it was all about flexibility, freedom, and the ability to earn as much money as I could with no ceilings or caps. Yeah. I was I was actually just having a conversation with a friend today that that was talking about how they they were losing a passion for what it is they do, but it was it, the necessity of having to keep doing it to bring in an income. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. And that's ultimately, I think that's what drives a lot of us isn't isn't necessarily we're doing what it is that we want to do. We're doing what we have to do. Yeah, correct. So it's it's yeah. finding it's finding that niche in 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 getting uh, or, or bringing in that income on on that niche that you, you find passion through. Exactly. What do you, I I, I do want to add something to that guys. So I always, people always ask me, what's the best business to start? And I tell them, I don't know because it all depends on you. So most people either do something that they're passionate about or they solve a problem, you know, and solving a problem is usually the easiest way to start a business problem, solution, whatever your product or service is, result. 
But a lot of times people get caught up in that business because they're chasing the money once again. And that business may have nothing to do with what they're passionate about or even what they're good at. So, and that you know, gets you, you got to look at it like that. Right. And that gets you away from the living part of life. Yeah, exactly. What do you, what what would you suggest to somebody that that has come to you for coaching advice as far as uh, in in a situation similar to that, where basically they're, they're, they're not necessarily, they're, they're almost in line with what it is that they want to be doing. But if it, 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 I am trying to figure out how to say it, but basically they're, they're, they're almost to the point where they're doing exactly what they want to do. But it's not, it's not necessarily bringing in the income that they can support themselves doing it. Um, the first thing you have to look at, number one, is your product or service, is it valuable? Do people want it or need it? I'll give you a real life example. One of my best friends, like my brother, is in a home automation. So during uh, the pandemic, he decides to start a home automation company where he's selling high end stuff, right? And he's selling stuff that, you know, you come into your, your driveway, you push your button, your lights come on, all, all of that stuff. I'm like, dude, you like that. But the question is, do other people want your product or service? So that's the first thing you have to look at. Um, And and number two, when you're trying to live in your genius, what you have to do is you have to look at what you're good at, what somebody is going to pay, you know, who's going to pay you for the service and, you know, what do you enjoy? And so if you can put those three three things together, then you can kind of develop a business. And there's only six things you can sell, guys six type of things your physical products like your new t-shirts that you're not wearing today your (laughs) digital products (laughs) your services somebody else's physical products somebody else's digital products and somebody else's services so when i go through and i talk and coach people about you know pinpoint monetize your genius which is a, a course and a program i've created you have to understand that those are only six type of things you can sell and based on what your genius is you may have check boxes in two or three of the categories, whatever makes sense. So you're almost starting with a blank canvas. And that's what I tell everybody. Tell me what you like. You know, I like to sing, but am I good at it? No. So I'm probably not going to be able to make money as a singer. Do something you're good at, you know, do something that you're passionate about and also do something that people will pay you for. So those are the three things that you need to look at when you're starting a business based on your quote unquote genius. Can I ask something? Yes, sir. So, um, let's say you have like you're trying to create multiple streams of revenue like that don't uh take all of your time. Like, uh, recently I've been introduced to the concept of network marketing. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much time you got, Don? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. All right. So here's the thing. I I. Over my 20 plus years as an entrepreneur, after I left corporate, after I went to college, left corporate, I was a stockbroker for Merrill Lynch and Dean Witter, which is now Morgan Stanley. So um, I left that making good money, but I always have been dibbling and dabbling in network marketing. One of the things you guys, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Excel. You ever heard of Excel? It's like eight, you ever heard of ACN? Yeah. It's like the telephone, selling telephone service. Um, so I was big into that, made a little bit of money, but the head or one of the top, uh, distributors for Excel came to my house to do a presentation. And he said, man, I'm going to tell you, you will never make the money that I made because 
you didn't get in on the ground floor. He was like the number six guy in the company. Mm -hmm. So network mm -hmm. marketing, what you want to look at, Dom, is how is the money being generated? Statistics show, and they did something on um, uh, Amway, 97% of the revenue from Amway didn't come from selling the products. It came from the sponsoring people. Yeah, yep. And so that's what a pyramid scheme is. You got to have, it's not a pyramid scheme, but you have to have a product to not be considered a pyramid scheme. And a lot of times when you have these companies, you, the number one question you want to ask a network marketing company, what percentage of revenues come from the sale of your product or service? And I guarantee you, they're not going to tell you more than 10%. So if you don't mind connecting and bringing people into business, it's cool. But if you're trying to move a product or service, yeah. That's your Mary Kay's of the world kind of thing, too. Yeah, that Mary Kay Is this a PG show or R show? Oh, uh, R. We, we're explicit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm not going to go all the way in. But a lot of times, net, <laughs> network Try marketing is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It's bullshit because okay. all you're doing is you're, you're, you're recruiting people, and that's normally how you make your money. Yeah. And you're not moving product up and down through your, through your downline. It's so, more of a farm system kind of thing where you just get the people in their membership and buying into the idea when, like you're saying, right. it's not moving product. It's who else can I get into? Yeah. And correct. And, and what you're farm. doing is you're trying to, yeah, you're, you're farming, you're encouraging people under you to get more people in right. under yeah, them and then to get more people under them. And, and to just to speak on, I did Amway. Uh, when, when we had the girls, uh, we, we did Amway for a little while. We got involved and uh, honestly, I'm I'm the type of person that I can't convince somebody to to sign up for something underneath me, especially yeah, yeah. when I know that there are there's 30 levels above me that that are that are Correct. making you know, and they'll have bukus. like a five grand buy-in for some of these things. Like yeah. my parents got sucked into two different ones, and I'm like, oh, wow. Even even sitting there at 13, going like, Dad, I don't think this is how you make money. <laughs> well, okay, I, so. I had one, and like I literally like the guy kind of recruited me from me going to like a. Uh, Fireflies baseball, the Fireflies baseball game that I went to and I took my son. He hit you up at the baseball game. He came up to me, talking to me randomly, and was just was like, "Hey, man, I see you chilling with your son, man. How would you like to make some, 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 some you know, some passive income, like income that you really ain't gotta do no work for?" And I was like, "All right." So he hit me up, and I went to the meeting. As soon as they got there, I, soon, the first the first slide said, "Yeah, so you just gotta pay such and such." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> nope, my God." I'm did they bring out they the food me. and drinks first? Oh yeah, it was definitely food. And that, <laughs> yeah, they was at like a nice hotel and everything. They had like a little uh, a speaker that was there for like yeah. thirty minutes. But it's so weird because the speaker would like walk. Like I told them where I worked at because they sold CBD products. Yeah. So after I didn't hit the guy back up, like the guy that spoke kept coming to the mall and getting massages oh, in front wow. of the CBD stand. Let me ask you this, Dom. So it sounds like you're looking for passive income, right? I am, yeah. All right, so you're, you're in the music business, I, I gather from the intro, right? Yes. So out of the six ways that I talked about making money, one of the, one of the passive ways you can make money is What's your expertise? Are you a producer? You're a musician? So I'm a uh, recording and mixing engineer. That's what, like, what okay. I mainly get paid for. I do produce and I do write as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. What type of, what type of board do you, what mixing board do you use? 
I well I use I don't use a, a control surface per se, but I okay. use Pro Tools. I that's the okay. DAW I use. All right, so perfect example. You can teach somebody what you know. So yeah. if you can create an online tutorial or course about using Pro Tools yeah. as an engineer, you create it. Doesn't have to be super long. It could be sixty minutes, whatever couple different, you know, uh, chapters, you know, or broken down into different chapters, whatever for beginners. And then you take them all the way through the process. You show, you show them, you know, screenshots. And now you can sell that, I don't know, maybe 47, $97 or whatever. And now you're taking something that you do naturally and you're trying to monetize it, you know, uh, which is passive. Once you create the online course, now all you got to do is promote it. Okay, you know, yeah. and you got a podcast here. You got people that are interested in the industry. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, man, I go and get a lot of free stuff on on YouTube. And that's fine because that means people are interested in it. But if you position your 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 product, your online course as a course for professionals, because you get paid to do this, yeah. you're not doing it. You know, no bullshit. You're doing it for make you make money doing this. Yeah, so I'm now you have a level. So, yeah, right. And you have a level of, of, you know, professionalism that you can speak from. And now people that are interested, man, you can send them to your course, you know? So anything you can teach, and it's big right now, you know, you guys, what's it called? Um, it's teachable out there. There's all kind of different yeah. platforms. Oh, yeah. like the... Uh, uh, master class. Yeah, master classes. And, master and, classes. Yeah. So that's passive, man. So you just got to drive traffic there. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah that's, so that's very smart. You... That's like initial yeah. footwork and then put it out. That's pretty sick. And on top of that, you can charge somebody more if they need more other than what you taught them on the on the course. So then you can charge them yeah. extra money. You know yeah. So um, I can't remember. How many businesses have you had? 17, brother. 17. And, and how many of them failed? Like, just... Oh, I was just getting ready to tell you. <laughs> 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 um, now, so funny because I, I was in a, I had to do a, I did a live speaking event down in Mississippi. It was like last year. And uh, somebody was asking me, what were all the businesses? And at that time, I couldn't remember because some of them were like, you know, yeah. I, I was in it for about a month and it was gone. Yeah, lights uh, on, lights so on. I wrote it down. <laughs> so five of the businesses were abject failures. Absolutely nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Four of them were, eh. then I had, Three of them that were real good. And then I had four of them. I think that's up to 17, whatever. Three or four of them that were real good. So my the two, my two biggest businesses are uh my mortgage business that I had, which I'm actually back in the game again. And also I sell physical products. I create product brands and I sell on my own websites and Amazon. So for example, one of my products is Hell Yeah Hot Sauce, right? Oh nice. Nice. so yeah. Oh, you're going to have to uh, send so, a couple bottles down here, man. Yeah, I love hot yeah, sauce. Is, 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 that, is that a waiver signing hot sauce? Because yeah. I like hot sauce. <laughs> I don't like the ones that you... I got multiple, multiple flavors. I'm about to say, is that the <laughs> one where you can't taste again? Carolina Reaper. Like? You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, you... Hey, Brock, I wouldn't do that to you, brother. <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy my food. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a triple X habanero. That's our highest. But then we have uh, Caribbean, our, our best seller right now. I don't even have any. Oh, yeah, here it is. Is our heat and honey brand, right? Oh, that so sounds good. Oh, yeah, I need that one. Yeah, that's I need our that best one. Yeah. But, you know, um, 
yeah, so my my physical products brands, I also, um, I don't know, I didn't think I told Barrett this. Now, I'm a black, bald-headed black dude, right? <laughs> and so I don't know a damn thing so about trend. flat irons, right? Yeah. So flat iron, yo. All right, I know I know Dom and Trent know what flat iron. Correct, are. correct, <laughs> correct, correct. I gotta make sure Barrett and Brock. Know now, I don't know if they I don't know if they know what hot combs are. Hey, my, you know what I mean, they might not know what a hot comb is. My, my wife's a hairstylist. I know. Oh, okay. okay. You I know grew, what a hot comb is? I grew yeah. up in okay. Decatur, so. Oh yeah, they, they they they're in the culture. <laughs> so, so let me tell you guys this quick story. So, one of my biggest breakthroughs after I almost lost it all, after I almost yeah lost it all the second time. It was my mortgage business. And when 2008 hit, everything, yeah. you know, everything yeah. got shut down. So I was making crazy money in the mortgage business. Money, uh, everything went down. I had 50 plus employees and I had uh, two of my business partners and myself owned the business. We were putting money back in, thinking things were going to turn around. And basically, I damn near ran out of money. Mm -hmm. So I guess my wife, myself and my two daughters, and I'm laying on the couch, figuring, looking up one night at the ceiling, it's like, how am I going to keep my cars, you know, my house from getting repoed, all of that stuff. So it, it was crazy. So I took a couple of BS jobs in between just to, yeah. you know, put some money on the table right. and had to come think of a comeback. So one day my wife was in the bathroom and she was, uh, her flat iron broke. So she was getting ready to, you know, do her hair, straighten her hair. And she was like, damn, I got to go to the mall and get a flat iron. Mm. And I just, out of curiosity, I asked her, I said, well, how much do flat irons cost? And she said, well, a good one is anywhere from 150 to $200. Oh, goodness. I said, for this bullshit? Yeah, it's got to have ceramic plates. It's got to have high yep. heat. It's got to have this. It's got to have that. So the first thing I'm thinking about, I know good and well that this product probably costs you know pennies on the dollar so anyway i go to alibaba and yeah. i get three samples from for different flat irons that look like the one my wife used so i got them in and i let my wife and my daughters use them for about six weeks i wasn't pressed to do anything and i came back and they all liked this one manufacturer so i didn't know what i was doing but what i did was i trademarked the brand name I created a, a packaging with a magnetic closure box, a high-end looking packaging, right. and I ordered 150 from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. Now, I spent money for trademarks and all of this. I did it backwards, but it did work out. So when they came in, um, I started putting them on Amazon. Now, the, the, <laughs> the flat irons cost with my logo, with my packaging, $10.78 per unit. Wow. ship from china to my house yeah. i'm selling them online at, on amazon for 129 dollars. so you see the margins yeah so from june of that year to december 31st i grossed 272 thousand oh, dollars at a 70 percent profit margin so did on they, some oh. shit that i knew absolutely nothing about but it was the way i positioned the flat iron, professional salon grade tool, but bop, 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 the packaging, everything looked good. So it's all about the positioning. So did and you... that's what got me into creating different brands, like hot sauce brand. I got another 
two flat iron brands. That's my high end brand. I got another one. I have hair serum that goes with it. Uh, thermal protective hair serum. Yeah. So yeah. And all of the, and the, and the hair serum you can even use as a beard oil. So I'm about to repackage that as a beard oil. Okay. Same nice. exact thing, different wow. name, same thing. So when you, so, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. So when you started, um, the flat iron and all of these things, like, how are you, were you running ads, like doing Google SEO and stuff like that? Or, well, see on Amazon and I took some of my stuff off of Amazon. Amazon is, is a blessing and a curse. So with Amazon, if you sell on Amazon because there's so many products, there's what's called Amazon pay per click. So it's basically the internal Amazon, like Google ads. Okay. So when I started running my flat irons, what I did was because most people buy stuff that has four or five star reviews. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had people, I gave them samples, yo, go online, give me a review, blah, 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 blah. So I got, you know, probably about 25 star reviews. And then I started running pay-per-click advertising to the listing. Now, remember, I got a shit, excuse me. I got a ton of margin, right? You're good. You're good. 1078, 129. So I got about a hundred and, you know, $20 that I can play with. So if I, if it costs me $20 to get a sale, so all in on $30, I'm still making 129 minus 30. I'm still making $99. Correct. So when you sell a physical product that's competitive, you have to have the money that's going to allow you to be able to advertise and market that product. And the problem with a lot of different products that don't have a lot of margin is they don't have the the money to advertise it because sometimes you're going to be spending more than you're going to make on the product. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, I've done that. So, but that's, that's how I got started in the products. And then I just started creating my own brands after that and selling them on my website and also on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, I got a little bit of experience with the, uh, with selling products I actually um there's a it's called it's an isolation foam that you can put on mics for uh engineers and people that record okay. themselves uh damn yeah I made a generic version of it you know what I'm saying should have went to Alibaba and I was I I, I sold <laughs> I sold a few on Amazon the rest of them okay. I sold locally but I only yeah. my first my first time doing it I only bought 50 but I was able to sell all of them I, I just them. sold the very last one today. <laughs> oh, cool! I yeah. bought one. I, I use it at home. Yeah, what type of margins you got on? Like, what does it oh, cost? And what you I, so I may not want to hear this. <laughs> Man, it's not for you to hear, sir. <laughs> so one, so one cost me about ten dollars to make, and I was I selling $10. them for fifty. <laughs> I was okay. selling them for fifty. See, that's, yeah, that's good, but, bro. So I was stuck. I didn't. The reason why I didn't put all of them on Amazon was because I didn't know how to advertise it the right way to have people buy them off of amazon but you yeah. say there's something called amazon pay-per-click yep yeah so if you go into your seller central back office um they, they have tutorials on there and if you need anything I'm, I'm gonna put this out to all you guys if there's something that i can help you with barrett has my info yeah just reach out to me okay. you know yeah, and um, I was, yeah, it was getting overwhelming. That's why I haven't got any more yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. So yeah, just reach out, man. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll chop it up and I'll, I'll show you everything that I know, man. The Fireflies started this week hot, taking their first pair against the Green Jackets. The story of Wednesday's game was an offensive surge led by none other than Gene Ramirez. 
Columbia's outfielder put together his second four-hit performance of the season as he finished a triple shy of the cycle in Columbia's 9-3 win. Columbia gained control early, but after Augusta punched back in the sixth, Gene Ramirez sent this message back on the first pitch of the seventh. Martinez on the hill for the Green Jackets. First throw to Ramirez, hit deep to right field, and there's the answer you're looking for. Gene Ramirez slays one to the tax player. Home run number five on the year, and Columbia's in front six to three. Yesterday, the series was left in the balance with a doubleheader where both games were decided by just one run. In the Fireflies' 3-2 Game 2 win, Ryan Ramsey earned his second win of the season, not allowing an earned run until after he exited the game following five and a third innings of quality work. That ended the Southpaws' run at 30 and two-thirds innings without allowing an earned run, the longest streak in Fireflies franchise history, passing Adonis Uceda, who worked 29 and a third innings back in 2017. After splitting yesterday's doubleheader, Columbia will vie for a series win today at 135 at SRP Park. After that, the club will head back home for a two-week homestand with the River Dogs and the Pelicans. From Augusta, I'm John Kosas. This is Eli Bosnick, and you're listening to the All About Nothing Podcast. Now, as far as... Oh, uh, but as far as, as, um, just in general, you know, what your business fell in, like, mentally, I know you were sitting back thinking about how how you're going to take care of your family and stuff. But what was it that made you so strong in that moment to just not give up completely like a lot of people do? Well, that that was the second time that it almost happened. So I was well prepared. Okay. And, 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 I, <laughs> and I'll share the first time. Okay. So the first time uh, what happened was I had just uh, gone out of corporate America. And I just want to preface this so I'll, I'll answer that for you, Trent. Okay. Um, I um, left corporate America and my wife and I had uh, our third child, my son. And so my son was diagnosed with brain cancer at six months old, Wow! right? And so we lost him when he was 17 months old. So he battled, you know, for 11 months after that. So he was our youngest. So then my two daughters. And so what happened was I had just left corporate America. I started a uh, event marketing business. I was doing like baby expos, trade shows and stuff. And uh, once we got the news, my wife had to stay home. She was a teacher and she had all the benefits. She had the consistent salary, you know, and everything. Mm -hmm. And because she couldn't go back to work, we, you know, I was on Cobra. Cobra costs crazy. Oh, it's ridiculous. Um, And then my money was up and down. And so in addition to battling the financial, you know, stuff we were going through, now we're fighting for life with my son. Yeah. And so um, after my last uh, expo I was doing, I did a baby and children's expo sponsored by Babies R Us and uh, went well, but I was mentally fried from the stress and, you know, dealing with my son and everything. Yeah. And shortly after that, he passed away mm. and I had no business. I had no income. My wife wasn't going back to work right away. So I was I was jacked up. Yeah. And so the thing that got me through that and the second time mm-hmm. was my faith because I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. Correct. It, it, you know, Jay Jones, I, I can't handle that. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty powerful, pretty strong dude, but I can't do that on my own. And in addition to that, guys, when my wife and her family come from a line of educators, 
right? And so the only way you get out, get kicked out of education is you molesting kids or doing something stupid, right? Sure. So that job is always going to be there. I've always had the entrepreneurial mindset. And so we kind of bumped heads, yo, how come your business isn't taking off right away? Because it don't work like that. All right. right. <laughs> yeah. so there, there was friction in the household. Yeah. And so in addition to not having money, dealing with my son, uh, his health, and then my wife in my ear, you know, bitching and complaining. Right. Uh, and I get it because she's not built like I am. Um, the only thing I could really count on w- w- was God. And that's my, and regardless of whoever you're, you know, you know, your God forces, or if you have one or don't have one, Correct. that's who I leaned on because I knew the way I'm built, I'm going to be able to get through this. Yeah. So Correct. when I see things, I don't look at them face value because mm-hmm. I trust myself and I believe in myself and I'm looking down the road. My wife could only see what's, what she saw right here. Yeah. yeah. When I can see down the road, we're going to get through this just like we're going to get through something else. So the second time it happened, Trent, mm-hmm. not that it was easy, but I knew, hey, I did it once, I'll be able to do it again. And what you're just telling me by losing a son, I mean, I can, I, my yeah. son, four, he just left out of here. I can only imagine what yeah. that yeah. pain What's felt worse like. worse than that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no can't worse. do nothing else to me. Yeah, worse right. than that. Nope. <laughs> right. So yeah, I got a two-year-old. So that's shit. the that's that's the worst fear you could possibly have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. So you know, and so one of the things that I always preach to my coaching students and even you know my daughters in general, life is short. So I always wanted to have passive income, so I could spend time with my wife and my my daughters as they grew, because. You know, one of the blessings that people didn't understand was that when I had that business, when my son was sick, I was able to stay at the hospital overnight with him. Oh, wow. um, you know, I didn't have to check in. Work. I didn't have the money, but guess what? I had the time. Yeah, right. And so that was much more important to me than working at somebody's nine to five mm. and all of that. So I would have I would have traded, you know, any day of the week, man. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm super big on living in your genius, your passion, and having your business work for you so you can do the things and focus on the things that are important to you. And so if you're not able to, if you're making money and you're not enjoying what you're doing and you're not spending time with the ones you love, what the hell are you doing it for? Yeah, yeah. And that's something I struggle with now. Like uh, the, the number one thing I want to do all the time is be with my family, be yeah. with my wife and daughter. And mm-hmm. then when you have to go to work and it just kills you, yeah. you're going like, damn, yeah. that's not even I, something I love to do. I recently read what? something. Yeah. Oh, I recently read something no, no, like ahead, the difference between rich and wealth and rich is like having the money and wealth is like, how long can you go without working? Like how, right, yeah, how long exactly. can you afford? That to, is, you know that's, what I'm saying? Because that's, that's sure. your time, your, your time is more right. valuable. Absolutely. Yeah. But, well, here's a story real quick. So my, my daughters, they, they're older now they, they 27 and 24. And, uh, but when they were in high school, they're three years apart. They used to play, you know, they were good in school, um, play all kinds of sports, field hockey, swimming, soccer, and field hockey was their thing, right? And so when my oldest daughter was a senior, my youngest was a freshman, from that, that period of time, that's when my flat iron business took off, my product brands. I had never missed a home game, an away game, a summer league game, the AAU games, or any of that stuff for four years straight. 
and their friends used to ask, damn, does your dad work? <laughs> and like, yeah, he works. But I built my my business around my life, Correct. not my life yeah. around my business. Wow. You know exactly. what I mean? Right. Yeah. And that's that's the key when you you want to have money coming in, but you want to be able to enjoy it. And so um with the loss of my son, I was always a family man anyway. Yeah. Um, but with the loss of my son, that just heightened my, you know, my sensitivities to that. So I pray. Yeah. Pray that, you know, Brock, anybody who's trying to get to that point that you get there, man. Yeah. Well, that's why we're trying to get this podcast successful, because when I am away from my family, if this is what I'm doing, I'm being, you know, I'm being me. Yeah. I'm, you're being, I'm doing you're happier doing exactly. compared to working. Exactly. And it, you know, if it does get big enough, which is what we're striving for. When it does get big enough. Gotta say that. When it gets big enough. It is passive income because people are going to listen. You're going to have it. But it also, when I take that time out of my day away from my family, it is something that you're passionate about. And hopefully, yep. time will tell if it's my genius. Yeah. <laughs> so, Correct. So, yeah. Um, yeah. other than, like, investing, selling your businesses and all of that, are you into, like, other things? Like, in, I, I, well, I, I said investing, but that's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> are you into investing? Talking about, like, stocks uh, and stuff or what I you're mean, talking about? I like? mean, there's a lot of different ways to invest. That's what I'm, I'm saying. saying. Like, are you, yeah. like... Well, well, um, really, right now, um, it's more the real estate. That's my focus. You're investing that way. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, that's pretty much because now I'm, I'm back in the mortgage business, and that just my eyes now on deals. I've you know flipped houses. I've, I've built modulars before with my cousin, like yeah. one-off product, uh, you know, projects. But the 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 goal is really to uh, to create a development company. That's something that I'm working mm, on right yeah. now. Uh, to be able to start developing and especially you guys are in in columbia so i got a lot of family in charleston monks corner sumter columbia orangeburg all of that stuff the chuck and uh yeah (laughs) and and one of the things i was trying to uh create or build a modular home in philadelphia and one of the biggest issues that i got into guys was the the zoning it's like I mean, it's so, oh, you got to have curb cuts. You got to be this far back mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. So where my grandmother lives in St. Stephen, South Carolina, there's, there's a whole bunch of land. All you need, you know, get your well, yeah. hook up the electricity, drop some modulars down. So that's my plan. Me, my cousin and I, um, we're going to start, you know, doing modular building. Okay. Um, and it's easier because I don't have to deal with all the city regulations and red tape, especially up here. It's crazy, man. Correct. But that's that's really where my focus is in real estate, and also just throwing off, you know, throwing off cash from my businesses right now. But I yeah. want to focus on more on real estate as we move forward. So what you're telling me is you're going to be in town. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So well, so and let us know if you need help, man. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we hold here on. for it. Hold on. I literally asked Trent to come over and help me move dirt yesterday. Hey, You're yeah. gonna <laughs> that's a modular home, sir. That's a little my different. Brother, my brother <laughs> My brother and his wife is trying to um get a modular home put on some property that um my family gave him. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, man. It's um with dollar, you know, cost per square foot. You don't have to worry about the weather when they're building, you know, versus building inside. Correct. And uh, the way I got put onto it, man, uh, one of my my friends, his father, uh, sold his company to waste management. He had his own yeah. sanitation business, yeah. and he started a uh, building. Any of you guys boxing fans? Yeah, 
used to box slightly. slightly. I used to box. Slightly. Watch that fight okay. last week. When you when you say sanitation, oh. you don't mean like you don't mean like wise guy sanitation. Did you, did you have your money on the wrong? Did you have your money on the wrong person? You're, you're close enough to Jersey. I didn't bet. Yeah, well, I didn't bet, but okay. but he, but he, uh, my buddy is Italian, so I don't know if he was there. In the it, is. Ah, there it is. Well, yeah, that's it. He's in there. No, he's gonna win this one. Wise guys. But, yeah. but what's what's funny is. Um, Muhammad Ali used to train at a place called Deer Lake, Pennsylvania. Right. Right. Up in the mountains. So, and if you ever go there, the cabins are tiny. You look on, you know, online and you watch videos, you think they're, they're tiny. Mm. But anyway, he had, he built like two developments up near Deer Lake, Pennsylvania, uh, all modulars. So his son and I are good friends. So he invited, you know, invited me up because I was talking about modular building. And his house is like a 10,000 square foot home and some modular built home, but you would never know. It. I mean, yeah, the construction, I mean, everything, man. So that's what kind of got me into the modules. I'm like, damn, I said, it's not a mobile home. It's a module. It's yeah. just built in sections. Yeah. I, grew, I grew up in a modular home. What do you guys think? Yeah. About, what do you guys think about um, like a lot of people taking those um, containers that they use for shipping and turning those into homes? And they're like, crazy. I don't know how yeah. much I trust it. They do look cool when they're done. They but look at the very end of the day, nice. You're like, it's a Connex. I mean, some good like Airbnb. Yeah, but you're talking style. about something that's structurally. I mean, they stack these things, you know, six to yeah. ten high, and yeah. then they and then they ship them across the ocean. I mean, I you know, I, I see them cut, cut it out. Uh, they cut out sections and whatnot. And I get that that, that changes the structure. And they don't just sit them there, man. They're like putting the whole foundation. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys heard of Boxable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So boxable, you know, that's something that unfolding you know, house. I think in that's going to revolutionize the I, home industry, especially yeah. out in like places in California yeah. where yeah. land and stuff is crazy. Correct. Yeah, so, and then and yeah. then they're three D printing homes now too. Yeah, so I mean, you might as well do that. It's a big printer. My printer is huge. It does concrete. Yeah, it, it prints concrete. It just literally sit it out there and it just goes around. Man, there's about yeah, to, but your house looks like all of the simple jobs are like leaving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that, we we was yeah. talking about that last week too, because yeah. it's like like schools like because you were saying like it's still kind of like it is some trades in high school still. Yeah, like, yeah. They don't really teach like woodworking like they used to. They don't teach really like auto like in high school unless you like yeah. go to a certain high school that has that. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Those are like very important jobs like plumbing and woodwork. Like it's well, always going to be a job. And I, for I'm assuming like Jay, you're about my age. And I'm I'm old, dude. No, nah, I'm old I'm too. In my mid, I'm in my mid fifties, bro. Oh, okay. Well, you look good for oh, your mid fifties. Sixty five. Sixty five in real life. Bro. <laughs> so, uh, when I was in high school, home economics was a class that we took. Oh, and exactly. And I it wasn't. It, it wasn't just. Yeah. It wasn't just a class. You know, it wasn't like what people think of just home women, economics. No. Yeah, it wasn't no. just women. It, everyone was required to take home economics, but they taught yep. you budgeting. They taught you how to grocery shop, how to how to take care of things like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Check baking book. and sewing. Yeah, but <laughs> but I'll be honest, baking and sewing was just as important as how to balance a checkbook. Correct. I mean, but yeah. that was stuff that we learned in home economics, and I don't see that at all anymore. I don't no. I don't know if it's still taught. No, you get economics, which is a very way too high level overview of how yeah, the yeah. economy. It's works. stuff where we don't even use. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, dude, what? I don't. I ain't doing any of that. Like I've never used E equals MC squared. Ever in my life, it's well, not economic. Whatever, but I'm just saying. I'm, you just, me, I'm just saying in general. Do you want me to explain to you the that. theory of relativity? I mean, you don't have to do that. But what <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> things you, you don't use. Physicist. <laughs> things you don't use. 
Well, oh, so but Jay, Jay, one, I, I just want to add yeah, yeah. to that comment real quick. You know, that's even more of a reason why people need to have multiple streams of income and be able to have something, even if you have a corporate job, have something on the side. Because those skills that you were talking about, Trent, yeah, yeah, they don't teach them anymore. Correct. And it's like, man, you need plumbers, you need pipe fitters, you need welders, you need all of that stuff, you know. But now we're we're shipping everything out, you know, uh, overseas. Yeah. But there's still viable, you know, money to make in those in those trades, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I'm telling you, if you're not on top of uh you know of what's going on you know ai and all of that stuff you know unless unless you believe what trump's saying he's bringing the coal industry back so you might want to you know definitely not man i seen i seen a crazy picture of a horse that, that was down there with, with the coal miners <laughs> yeah and i was like, I seen that. I was like yeah. what he had horses down there in the coal mines not for long <laughs> yeah facts <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to I wanted to get into the 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 the, the part of the black entrepreneur part. So, mm-hmm. a lot of your focus, as far as your podcast goes, is 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 building up black owned businesses. Right. Um, what what was and and obviously being an African American in the United States, it's it's mm-hmm. clear you know that that's that's part of your passion. But what was the motivation right. to try and, and and push that specifically? Well, I, I look at the. Uh, socioeconomic condition uh that black folk are in when it comes to the racial wealth gap Uh and uh you know i gave some numbers when i did that juneteenth presentation and one of the things was a lot of people don't know when i started the the podcast it actually was on terrestrial radio oh but at the time the show was called the entrepreneur advantage i was on a station that was a predominantly white-based station And I told the manager, I said, you know, I want to kind of narrow the scope down because I'm black, I'm an entrepreneur, and there's certain intrinsic things that um, we go through that other other groups may not go through. And he said, nah, we're not going to do that. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do internet radio, which they call podcasting at the time. And that's when I broke off and I narrowed it down to Black Entrepreneur Blueprint. And the whole uh, focus was basically being able to help my community, you know, uh, build, launch, build and grow businesses and in turn circulate dollars in the community and help build wealth and close that racial wealth gap. So that was the impetus behind the podcast, you know, sharing my experiences so others don't necessarily have to go through, you know, the things I have. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, I, I think this goes without saying, at least for us here at the table, but people listening, you know, that, that, black owned businesses don't get the support in communities that they, that they need to, especially, you know, Columbia, South Carolina's we, we have a pretty decent black population you'd say, right? Correct. But even what you're saying that like a lot of black people don't support black, yeah, black businesses. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing that really, um, I'm not saying it really irks my nerves because maybe they had a, a bad experience and some and sometimes that that tears people away from from supporting their own. But I don't feel like every, I don't feel like if you have one bad experience at one place you should take it out on all black businesses. Agreed. Just give everybody a chance, but like that's God. that's that's real big. I I, I just I, a lot of people don't support black businesses. Man, and it's crazy. What he about to say. God, yeah. God, I'm gonna tell y'all something. I did a post my episode 474 or 475 
why black uh why blacks buy from other ethnicities and no other ethnicities buy from blacks mm. i put out a post on instagram and you should have heard some of the shit that was coming back oh, what? and to your to your point trent uh-huh uh even from a lot of black folk oh the products aren't as good mm-hmm. what are you talking about uh, the prices are too high. Yep. This, that, and the other thing. And I always tell people, I said, are you going to critique other businesses the same way you can critique a black-owned business? Right, never. That's my first question. Now, I got a lot of racist shit. Oh, black people, they, oh, you have businesses? All I thought you did was steal. You know? Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, I'm telling you, I had, to shut the, I had to shut the comments off because after two weeks, I'm cussing fools out almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, reading the comments but, gets you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is, man, um, it's when you don't understand why sometimes black-owned businesses' prices might be higher. And a real-life example is, like, in Philly, there's a barbershop on every corner, damn mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. So instead of forming a cooperative where they're buying their you know supplies together man i'm buying my own stuff so now you buy 10 units versus 100 units your price is going to be higher same thing with corner stores so i know in chinatown in philly there's a chinese cooperative that buys in bulk from chinese manufacturers and suppliers Mm -hmm. so when they buy in bulk and you got a black store here and an asian store here on the corner the black guy may sell wrap snacks for 10 cents more than the asian store because his cost basis is higher. Mm-hmm. And so I have to explain to people, it's not necessarily that the brother's trying to get you. He still got to make a profit. And right. I have a, yeah. a Chinese friend from college. I just want to say this and I'll let y'all chime in um, from college. And he told me years ago, and his, his father was loaded. He was an importer exporter. He said, if there's a Chinese store here and a regular grocery store here, he said, my family's going to the Chinese store. I don't care if they're 10%, 20% higher. We're supporting that business. Mm. And what people don't understand is when you support a business, or say a specifically black-owned business, and that business grows, what do you have to do? Most times, if you continue to get support, you're going to have to expand. Right. Now, who are you going to hire? Mm. Most statistics show that most people hire people that they're comfortable with, people that look like them. So you go into the Asian chicken wing store, who do you see working there? You go into the Indian 7-Eleven store, who do you see working there? People that look like them that they're comfortable with, and there's nothing wrong with that. So when I say support Black-owned businesses, what this is going to hopefully allow these businesses to do is grow and hire more people. In my mortgage business, I hired loan officers that wouldn't have got a look Mm. at some of these other companies. People making that we're doing collections now making mid six figures. Wow. You know, and, and so that's the importance of 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 hiring or supporting black owned businesses and it's not just in a geographic area, okay? It's just like not in this neighborhood. Yeah, that's great, but now commerce is worldwide. So e-commerce businesses, everybody uses this, right? You on this all the time. Oh, yeah. Go find a black owned business and support that. Go buy black owned toothbrushes the toothpaste whatever yep. you know there's, there's stuff out there and that's the importance of black owned businesses because every other ethnicity does that asians do it the jewish community does it the indian community does it you know everybody does it and i wish it was to a point where people didn't think about black owned business sure. white owned jewish 
but you got to take care of yourself. What do they say? Charity starts where? At home, right? Yep. So you got to start at your home. You got to get strong so you can help other people. And that's what it's all about. It's not, I don't love everybody else, but hey, I know if I can help my community, that's going to make it better, not just for me, but for my community and others to be competitive. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So in, in your well, y'all need to snip that and put that shit up. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, we got you. <laughs> yeah. We got you. Hundred percent. Gotta say, I was gonna tell Bear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, in your experience, what are some key traits and or, or habits of uh, successful black entrepreneur pro, uh, uh, businesses? Um, you know how 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 they've done things. Not not necessarily just you, but how how you've seen those businesses progress. I I think. Some of the traits, number one, in, in, in general, in any business, you need a good product or service. You need to have a demand. And I think the other thing is, is some type of connection. So I was doing some research for that episode I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it said that 70, 69 to 70% of black consumers like to support black brands that have an objective or that has something to do with the community. So that community, you know how, uh, what's the shoe guy that gives away extra shoes when you buy a pair of shoes? What's this guy? Well, I know I the sock, uh, the bomb, yeah, Bomba socks. Does it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and yes. there's another shoe company that you buy a pair, then they give away. Is a it Vans? Like that. Oh, Not Vans. Tom's. 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 Yeah, yeah. Tom's. Tom's. Yeah. yeah. So when you have something that's connected to the community, I did another episode that, said, uh, that was titled, what the black community could learn from the Jewish community. And, and here's my point. In the Jewish commun- community, they're, all, they're connected by their faith. And when I interviewed uh, this Jewish brother, he was telling me, he said, 10% of our revenues or proceeds we use for the community, not the church per se, but for the betterment of the community, uh, community centers, uh, you know, helping out schools, whatever it is. And so... I think it's true pretty much across the board, black people included. If you're selling a product or service or you have a business and it's connected to something greater than the business, then we're going to support it. And I think that's something that that's key, you know, not 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 just. Yeah, you got to have a good product or service. But um, I think that's key right there, um, Barrett. Outreach. Outreach and yeah. and yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. It's a connection. And I think I think one of the crazy things is is when you know you mentioned like the Jewish community and how how they give back and 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 even previous to that you were talking about how you know you see the Asian community usually reaches out or or takes care of the Asian community. Yeah. But when but when you see that I I I feel like this is probably true. But when you see something like that from outside of the black community, I think sometimes people look at that and they go. Well, they're just the, the, this is just something they're doing for themselves. This isn't they're not they're not, you know, and and I say that as a as a very, very white man, because uh, <laughs> right. but because that's my perspective. But, you know, right. I, I've never been of the mentality that this 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 service is going to be better than this service because they're white or that they're Hispanic right. or whatever. Yeah. And and I, I wish everybody was like you. I, well, <laughs> no, 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 you don't. <laughs> I have quirks. Uh, like remember, we said, Barrett hates a lot for no I, reason. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned he got, a, he got a nice hate list over here. <laughs> Look, I don't hate Jonah Hill. Oh, see, you I don't just, even say his I, name. I just don't. I just don't think he's a great actor. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> but, so. yeah. but I. <laughs> 
Sounds a lot like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, Jonah Hill can call me and, and we'll 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 discuss. We'll get it. him on the pod. I'll give him some ideas. He'll send you some of those texts. But he sends girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I. But ultimately, I. I. I'm. I think that you know, regardless of of, of race, I I find that. Uh, you know, even in growing up, that that a lot of the a lot of the things that we did as kids when when I grew up was around a lot of the black community, especially like in Decatur and, and things like that. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was there. I can I can I can think back to you know uh, cookouts and 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 things like that. Just but but even where I even even in Decatur now, it's become so uh, it's 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 grown up now to the point where the it's it's the same thing that's happening in a lot of places that the black community is being pushed out because people are uh, uh, they're they're coming in and buying the properties, flipping them, yep. and selling them to whites, yep. and and it's. You know, gentrification, gentrification. Yeah, gentrification. It's literally happened right in front of us, like right, like, like as you pass downtown, like where the colonies used to be at. Or, oh yeah, like where the um, like right across from um, the Richland Hospital in the corner. Yeah, where they got those new houses development now, and it's yeah. like that all used to be the hood. Like it used to be well, apartments. Like you but, know what I'm saying. And they had to move all those people out. So they were making it seem like, okay, we're moving all these people out because of safety reasons. And then you come put these nice-ass houses on top of it. You're like, hold on, this is not for safety. Yeah. <laughs> not only that. Chapin did a double over. Like, I'm white going through, like, Yeah, I was about yeah. to say, like, the cost of living got to be ridiculous there now because yeah. of all the stuff they added yeah. and did. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, yeah. there's a lot of, like, big houses near where uh where I grew up, yeah. Man. So you know, that's only helping your house. Your house moving, I mean, yeah, move up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah they had a, they had, for they my parents, but I'm talking about like for everybody else that's like, yeah. you know, yeah. what I'm saying trying to move afford there. to live there. They oh, got yeah. they got a chop house out there now. I'm like, I guess I ain't ever gonna eat. They about there. to do another one. They about to do a smokehouse now. Chop house. We're talking about the steak place, right? Yeah, yeah. it's in Chapin. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bougie oh, dessert amazed. restaurant. Too. Oh, amazing. Can I add to that that real quick, guys? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, so I did another episode, probably about six months back to be or not to be a black owned business. And when I talked about my flat iron business, you notice I didn't mention the name, right? Right. And I didn't do that on purpose, right? Because <laughs> sometimes the perception, oh, this is a black, this is a bald headed dude mm. selling flat irons. What the hell does he know about that? <laughs> <laughs> but then, so on my box on one side is, is, is a picture of a, white girl the other side is a picture of a black girl on the box and i'm behind the brand i don't want to be known as the owner of the brand sure smart i actually i actually had um uh bbc british broadcasting company contacted me to do an interview with me because they were writing an article about black owned businesses this is about a year and a half ago and they asked me why did i have the title that I did on that podcast episode. That's how they found me. Mm. And I said, because exactly what we were talking about, some people think black owned businesses are inferior. Yeah. And so I talk about indestructible income. Oh, that was another one of my, my podcasts. So if you don't know what I have, you can't screw it up. Yeah. So right. when it comes to a product-based business, there's a lot of sabotage out there. So I've seen businesses that would put bad reviews on Amazon from their competitors. Sure. Buy the product, put bad reviews. And so now you get under four stars, your thing is going like this. So I keep a lot of my stuff, you know, it's indestructible income. If you don't know what I got, you can't, excuse the French, you can't fuck with it. Yeah. Right. Right? 
Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you like what you just said is is key example why a lot of times when because I DJ uh, part time so well basically full time basically because it's my this most money that I make but um. I don't like for people to put my name on flyers that I do or my picture on flyers because I know a lot of people just hate off right. of oh he he's he's the DJ at that party now I'm not gonna go to that party mm-hmm. I won't I I'd rather I rather you not put my pay, my 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 picture on the flyer and me just show up and DJ and then they asking who's the DJ compared to people not yeah. showing up at. At places just because they know I'm it's DJing, not, well, like, it's not a DJ of their choice or something. Yeah, yeah. not a DJ of their choice. Yeah, kind of like you don't want them to judge the book by, by the, the cover, cover until they hear your exactly. music. Now. Correct. So you just like. you just basing it off of right. You know, oh DJ Lonzo. Hell oh, yeah. Well, I don't know him like that, so I'm I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah, go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, if they look you up, your name's Trent Clark. Yeah. Sounds like a white guy. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> My mom was smart. She wanted me to get hired. <laughs> My mom was smart. She wanted me to get hired, so it worked. It worked. <laughs> so, Jay, one of the one of the last things I want to talk to you about, uh, and and uh, with with you on the show was, uh, and I did did we talk about reparations at all uh, in any no, of our not conversations? At, June 9th. No, we didn't talk about it. Uh-uh. Well, so one of the things that that I, I feel like is important is you know with slavery in the United States, uh, I absolutely believe that reparations for anyone who is the descendant of a slave is is absolutely imperative and and not not because not because I think we should just hand out money but because I think there is a debt to be paid for the injustices and and the 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 heinous act that that the federal government of the United States for more than 100 years supported mm-hmm. um and you know, first of all, I, I wanted to get you guys' opinion on that. Yeah, well, so I'm gonna go ahead and give you. <laughs> so you said descendants of slave. It's gonna be hard, kind of, to find that out now because with all, it's, it's, I don't want to say it. it's been a lot of fucking going on. Yeah, <laughs> so I, it, look, for you to find out what slave you got <laughs> for me to go back to is gonna be kind of hard. You know what I mean? I mean, my grandma would probably be a little bit easier because I'll be able to find her mother. You know what I'm saying? Like. Literally, like my grandma used to, my grandma and my mother both picked cotton. Yeah, but yeah. not to the point where she picked my mother picked cotton for you know for sure slave person. It was, but it was just that's what she did in South Carolina. Like that's that was her income. Yeah. But my grandma for sure was not a slave, but was probably the closest to her mother, which technically is not a slave either. But you know. Was she work, was she being paid the value of the service Correct. she was provided? And and, that, and that's what I think she was not being okay. paid. You get what okay. I'm saying? But, what, she, what she deserved back in the day. But there are definitely ways of being, you know, through genealogy and and things like that. There, you know, we you can't. Well, I I, I guess I'm saying this as a white person. I know you can track your genealogy back, like because we've tracked our gene my genealogy all the way back to like the 1200s. Yeah, but wow. but you got to think about it. Your family. His name, last name, a lot of black people's last name were changed because of who their slave sure, master was. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll never really DNA. know who they're, what a lot of black people, like all these black people by the last name of Johnson, it's a lot of Johnsons. I, I know. Gingers. It's a lot of Johnsons, dog. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if that slave master was everywhere, but. Master Johnson had a lot of slaves. I'm trying to oh, tell yeah, you, like, man. He had a lot yeah. of land. <laughs> yeah, Smiths. Well, yeah, the Smiths. Well, yeah. Jackson. Jackson, yeah. Jackson, Jackson was a slave Ranch. name yeah. because Andrew, Andrew Jackson owned a lot of slaves. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah. 
But, I, I just think it's just a little. It's gonna be hard. I just think if anything, I don't think it should just be slave descendant. I think anybody that's got any percentage of black in them, give them represent, give them, give them reparations. So, Okay, so then that gets into by my, the percentage. That gets in the, <laughs> the, by, by, by the percentage. <laughs> so, but that that ultimately gets into the idea of how do you provide reparations? It's not because I know that there is no way in this country that, especially as as predominantly white as it is, mm-hmm. that you're going to find a majority of people willing to do that. So mm-hmm. basically, this is my, and I'm not campaigning or anything right now. I'm I mean, just, it sounds like it, but it's good. Yeah. I'm listening to you. Um, <laughs> so, so, but, but my idea basically is that uh, no federal taxes on individuals who, uh, in this case, were our descendants of slaves. And let's mm-hmm. say, let's say hypothetically, we can prove descendancy. Okay. Uh, so no federal taxes on individuals and no federal taxes on small businesses. Okay. So obviously up to a certain point uh, as far as value and, and such, but uh, obviously also like an oil tycoon, uh, it, you know, regardless of, you know, that, that they reach a certain echelon of, of, then of income. Taxes, that, yeah. Then they, they okay. would pay, they would pay taxes. Yeah. United States uh, does not tax income on native Americans and tribal reservations in generally uh, exempt. They are generally exempt from federal income tax. If it comes from activities, excuse me, uh, conducted within the reservation and related to the use of tribal services. Uh, this includes income from sources such as tribal businesses, farming, fishing, reservation lands. And casinos. Casinos is correct, yes. So so with, with that with that number that you were saying, like, why, like, because I know casinos bring in a lot of money. So you're saying that, like, the the casinos, like, the that they own haven't reached to, a point where they should be taxed. Native Americans, uh, from from what I understand, on tribal lands, they don't pay taxes, even a casino. Wow! And I, I could I could have that incorrect. So basically, I'm asking the three of you: mm-hmm. is in that scenario because just handing out a, a a sum of money for the value of what your ancestors had to go through. Mm-hmm. If that is not available, is is the potential of having no federal uh, income tax uh, or, or or no federal sale or no having to pay no sales tax on uh, products sold? Is that something that could potentially potentially sway? It could work. Or thirty acres and a mule. <laughs> no, no, no. They ain't making that much land. And then, yeah, yeah, land is Plus way too get, much. You yeah. get some of that mule just gonna be like, I live in an apartment. Yeah, start taking people land, <laughs> but at the same time, see, I think it's gonna be like a slap in the face because the twelve hundred dollar COVID checks, right? That was technically a slap in the face to all of America. Like, here, take this money. This should get you through. Stretch it out the next nineteen months. So, what is gonna be that? What is gonna be that? That lump sum of money that they're gonna give us that everybody's gonna be happy with, where they don't feel like okay, what my sla- what my ancestors did is only worth five thousand dollars or seven thousand dollars. Like you know what I'm saying? Like now yeah. you're looking at yeah, oh, you're putting a price on something that's that, that's priceless. Yeah, like a lot of hours worked for I, for for pennies on a dollar. You know what I'm saying? I think the tax thing like is a lot. It, it sounds better than just giving people money because people don't know how to spend money responsibly. Correct. I'm saying yeah but then <laughs> but then also if you're if you're talking about taxes so the only and the reason that taxes in my opinion could work at least financially from an economic standpoint in the united states our government doesn't deal in real money anyway we're talking yeah. we're talking a a, a, a a an income for our federal government in the trillions of dollars 
and they're always spending more than that anyway. Yep. So they they don't they don't deal with real money anyway. So if you were to take and 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 honestly, African American population in the United States still only makes up 16, 13, 13 to fifteen percent of the yep. population. So and of that population, you have to take out another six or you know, or you have to take out another fifteen to twenty percent of that population because they're under the age of eighteen, so they're not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. I just I just think that that would be potentially something that we could that as as an american say look what we did was really fucked up yeah. and the fact that our government went along with it for as long as they did because they were seeing the benefits of it and right. they were they were literally uh uh participating in it you know i i just i i in my opinion i think that it's it's long past time that there be something done to benefit those even though it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, but, but you still see the effects of slavery now. Yeah, because they still technically do it. They do, yeah, it, they do it with, with we, we do use, it with, with weed now. Well, no, not only that. It's, with wage, it's, wage slavery. Our, like, our wage, corporate, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you get pulled over, like, you get pulled over with, like, less than 28 grams, it's $650 charge. Like, it's worse why? Than, why it's, is that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't, what's don't, the point? Don't air your personal grievances on I'm just air. saying, like... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what? What's really the I'm point? Just, I'm, I wasn't gonna no, say nothing. I'm just, <laughs> I just, that's not real personal. I mean, I look, just, man. I'm just saying, like, but that's like, literally, that's empty, literally you know. what we're getting into. Yeah. Because if you think about it, them charging you six hundred and fifty dollars, what? It's very it, specific. What is that money going towards? It's not going towards no. No, no it's, it's not going to the roads. No. So, and hypothetically, they take the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, they take the rest of the weed. They don't even let you keep it. <laughs> Hold on. Give away. We're off track. No. But yeah. I'm just, well, let's get what Jay thinks. Let, let's, yeah. let's listen to what Jay thinks. Yeah. Man. Jay, what do you think um, about this, man? Well, number one, I I don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. Um, the backlash that it would cause. Right now, we're in a tenuous situation right now. We got 2024 coming up. Um, and one, <laughs> one of the things is, I, I, I tell people all the time, don't wait on somebody else for going to help. Yeah. You know, if it comes, that's great. You know, if I had to put a, a wager on it, I, it, you know, damn near impossible for it to happen. Yeah, There's so right. many forces and devices against it and the backlash that would come from it. Um, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I wish it was. But as you said, Barrett, how do you determine, you know, who's owed what? So that's very tricky, too. Yeah. And I think the uh, United States would just say, you know what? We've been screwing you guys over for 400 plus years. You know, add this one to the stack. <laughs> at, the, at the moment, they're not even willing to recognize today's racism. They're much less like that yeah. was bad enough to do something. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. So I'm, I'm definitely of the belief that that the only way that we can we can promote change is through normalization. And by normalization, it it just it you have to throw sp- throw spaghetti against the wall until until something sticks. But just it's it's constantly just pushing ideas out there on if we can't get direct repara- uh, reparations we if you can't get direct reparations <laughs> we understand what you're saying Barry. then 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 <laughs> let's find a different solution but there there still has you know other countries all over the world even the dutch they they've done they've done reparations in in some manner for their participation as like you know mm. even in africa even in africa the, literally the people that were descendants of the tribes that actually actively uh, the the, the that so, actively like captured sold and sold the yeah. slaves 
to the Dutch and the English, like they have actually gone back and taken care of the families of people that are still native, uh, that, that, that they sold their family members away. Wow. So it's, it's happening all over the world. It's, it's kind of like universal healthcare. If we don't talk about it, then, then there's ultimately never going to be any change. We're, we're going to just keep following the same status quo until, until it just, it just has to be talked about. We need Bernie Sanders just to keep banging his drum. <laughs> exactly. yeah, Bernie, exactly. we got to feel the burn, yeah. man. Well, yeah. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I had anything else I was going to, I was going to ask about. I, great. Yeah. Jay, do me a favor. Fantastic. Please. Throw out everything uh, as far as uh, as far as everything that you can promote because uh, absolutely we we want to support you uh, just as much as as you've said you want to support us and all our girls would take one of those hot cones man, <laughs> for sure <laughs> I got a lot of them. so Barrett has my my info so you guys reach out to me and I'll, I'll send you some hot sauce whatever you guys need so yes I'll sir. Like uh, hot sauce, combs, and all that. But I'm looking for the some best mentorship. Way, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I do that all the time. Okay. So um, the best way uh, to connect with me, guys, go to my website, blackentrepreneurblueprint.com. Blackentrepreneurblueprint.com. If you're lazy, just type in bebconnect.com. It's going to take you to the same place. So there you'll see all my online courses, my whole ecosystem, my books, my online courses. Uh, everything black entrepreneur blueprint uh, my biggest social media is probably uh, my Instagram so you guys if you want to connect go to J Jones for real J-A-Y-J-O-N-E-S the number four R-E-A-L or black entrepreneur blueprint on Instagram but those are that's really how you can connect with me the website has everything my social media and all that on there too yeah and i'm going to include everything in the show notes too so if you're listening right now and and, and you want to you want to uh check more check out more information just uh go into the show notes the links are all there so uh, uh jay thank you very much so much thank you jay. Uh, for being on the program with us uh absolute pleasure thank you guys too um your platform i just want to say this keep pushing guys keep being consistent with your show and you're not going to make money overnight, but the consistency is the key with your show. And so um, I, I salute you guys. You have, looks like you got a great brotherhood there. I've listened to a couple of the episodes. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, that's man. That's what it's all about. And you're talking about good stuff. You yeah. Know? Now, I'm not. The last episode, what were y'all? Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I'm yeah. not into that. <laughs> yeah, man. I tried to tell you. See how, you see how I missed that? You see how I missed that episode, Andy J? <laughs> He yeah. was invited. Don't get it wrong. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I missed it. <laughs> but, nah, keep plugging, and I appreciate you guys for having me on your platform. Anything I can do for your audience or yourselves, please reach out to me, and, and I'm here for you. Absolutely. Right, we yes, appreciate sir. it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. All right, Jay. Thank you very much. Again, it's Jay Jones, uh, Black Entrepreneur uh, uh, Blueprint. Uh, again, links in the uh, in the uh, episode uh, notes here, uh, and I guess uh, I guess I guess that's gonna wrap it up for us. Yeah, man, that's a great episode, yeah, man. Great episode. Uh, so uh, I'll just I'll just close this out. That's gonna do it. Uh, episode number one hundred and sixty-seven. Thank you, Zach King. Thank you, Trent Clark. Thank you, Dink the Geek. Uh, thank you, Jay Jones as well. Uh, and. Uh, 
links to all of our past episodes, platform, uh, podcast platform, merchandise, and social media available on our website, theallaboutnothing.com. If you think our financial model of giving away free content and entertainment is silly and you're in the uh, giving mood, why not become an official nothinger and support the show? Visit theallaboutnothing.com and click on the support link near the top of the page. You can subscribe monthly at a varying level of membership tiers and click on the tips link if you want to just give us a one-time donation. If you think, uh, if you'd like to join the uh, conversation, you can join our Discord channel by clicking on the banner at the top of our webpage. Also, please subscribe to the show, likes, and follows help us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, share with your family and friends. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You all stay safe and have a week. The All About Nothing podcast is produced and engineered by me, Bear Gruber, and recorded from the podcast studio at GOT Sound Studio in Lexington, South Carolina. GOT Sound Studio is owned and operated by Neek the Geek. Visit gotsoundstudio.com for details on studio rental, production, and engineering. Thanks to Cake for our intro music, Sick of You. You can follow everything Cake the Band at cakemusic.com. Thanks to Muff the Producer for our outro music. You can follow Muff on Instagram at Muff the Producer. Thanks to Trent Clark, a.k.a. DJ Lonzo. Join him weekly at the venue in Columbia, South Carolina for the Saturday All-Star Drag Brunch and Sundays at the Review Drag Brunch. You can also contact Trent for all your entertainment needs. Trent at theallaboutnothing.com and on Instagram, TheRealDJLonzo. You can also phone him, 803-262-7982. Thanks to Zach King. You can follow him on Instagram, at KingZach07, and on Twitter, at CarolinaKing21. I am Barrett Gruber. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Barrett Gruber, or visit my link tree slash Barrett Gruber. Want to support the show? Visit our page, theallaboutnothing.com, and become a member. There are several tiers available, including memberships that give you early access to episodes, as well as exclusive content. Visit theallaboutnothing.com. To find links to our social media, merchandise, and past episodes, as well as other details, visit theallaboutnothing.com. If you'd like to be heard on the show, you can call and leave us a message. Dial 803-672-0533. If the time between these episodes is more than you can handle, check out our partner podcasts. Zach and I host What the Pod Was That with Carrie Simmons. Visit whatthepodwasthat.com for links and details. Ami takes a deep dive down the rabbit hole in episodes of Welcome to Wonderland. Available on all of your podcast platforms. As well, you should check out DJ Lonzo's Top 5. Available on all of the podcast listening platforms. Please subscribe and share the show. If you're on YouTube, please like and hit the notification bell. The All About Nothing podcast is a product of Bear Gruber Entertainment and Media. Thank you for listening. This episode of the All About Nothing podcast is brought to you by GOT Sound Studio. GOT Sound Studio offers a variety of experiences, music, voice, and instrumental recording and production, video, and still photography. GOT Sound Studio has all of your media needs met. Owned and operated by Dominique Stewart, the Neek the Geek, experienced artists as well as up-and-coming will find everything they need to create. Bring your media needs to one of the most talented producers and engineers in the business, Neek the Geek. You can find details by visiting gotsoundstudio.com or calling 803-243-2302. You can also find links in the Friends of the Pod section of our website. Visit theallaboutnothing.com.